From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, this is Catholic Military Life, the only podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry, and with me today is Tim Mergen, one of our co-sponsored seminarians, uh, who is also uh, an officer in the Air Force Reserve, formerly a captain in the uh, Air Force on active duty, who... uh, uh, took some time off to uh, go through seminary, and uh, welcome, Tim. Thank you, Taylor. Appreciate it. It's and good to be with you this morning. It's good to have you. Thank you for stopping in to chat with us today. So for the last uh, four years or so, you've been at the Pontifical North American College in Rome. That's correct. Uh, well, tell me about that experience. Absolutely. Uh, it's been a great experience. It's a unique privilege and opportunity to be able to to complete my seminary studies over in Rome, in the Eternal City. So it's been a a wonderful opportunity. It's one of the larger seminaries for the United States, so there's a great number of seminarians from all across the country, as well as we have a great support from uh, from co-sponsored seminarians at the North American College as well. And for the benefit of our listener who may not be familiar with the co-sponsored seminarian program, it's a vocations partnership between the Archdiocese for the Military Services, the AMS, and uh, dioceses across the country that are participating in the program along with religious orders. You're from which diocese? I'm from Madison, Wisconsin, the Diocese of Madison. And tell me a little bit about your military career. Did you grow up in Wisconsin? I did. I spent all my, my entire life in, in Madison and uh, didn't uh, originally plan on uh, going towards the military, but kind of a uh, uh, by, by happenstance, by the Lord's providence, I ended up at the Air Force Academy out of uh, high school and pursued a career uh, with the Air Force. And uh, when did you go into the Air Force Academy? So I started in 2006, and I graduated from there in 2010. Wow, very impressive. It's hard enough to get into the Air Force Academy, much less go all the way through and graduate. So after that, what? After that, I was assigned to uh, to attend a pilot training program. Uh, so I did that. I went to the, uh, the Euro-NATO Joint Jet Pilot Training Program. They call it NJEPT. And that was at uh, Shepard Air Force Base in Wichita Falls, Texas. And uh, you became a pilot. That's correct. I graduated in uh, 2011 in the fall. There's a there's a couple of uh, follow-on training assignments, and then I was assigned to a uh, a small special operations airplane out of uh, Cannon Air Force Base in Clovis, New Mexico, in the spring of 2012. And where is Cannon Air Force Base exactly? <laughs> a lot of people ask for those that are are listening that have ever been to Cannon. Uh, it's a, it's a very unique place. Uh, I, I really actually enjoyed my time, but I, I tell people it's a little bit in the middle of nowhere. So I, I say you go to the middle of nowhere and you, you take a left and then you'll, <laughs> you'll find it. Okay, so from 2011 until when uh, you were there as a, as a pilot? So I arrived there in the spring of 2012, and then I left in the fall of 2014. So I had a, just over two years of experience working as a pilot out of Canon. And... Obviously, somewhere in there, you began to sense a vocation to the priesthood. Yes, and and I would tell I would tell folks it, it began long, long ago. Uh, I look at my parents and the witness that they gave. I was blessed to, to be raised in a, in a strong Catholic family. Uh, my parents did a great job of teaching the faith. Um, it was always uh, it was always a joy. My mother was actually a convert, and it was a little bit of her sort of passion and strength to to share the joy that she found coming into the Catholic Church, and then sort of my father's steady, calming presence and just a quiet leader in our family 
really gave the great opportunity to learn about the faith. And uh, it was something that was always an idea in the back of my mind, though I wasn't always <laughs> as excited about pursuing the priesthood. What was the catalyst that made you finally make the decision? It was, it was a long, lengthy process. It was actually, I'd never even, uh, I was not even aware of the, the presence of military chaplains until I got to, to college at the Air Force Academy. And that was the first time that I really met a chaplain. And there was actually one day we had mass, we were celebrating mass out in the woods because we had a two-week field exercise. And I was sitting on a little tree stump and uh, looking up at this man who was, who was offering the sacrifice of the mass. And, and, I, and I started thinking to myself, I thought, wow, He's, he's a priest, but he's, he's also in the military, and, and I can't go to church today, so he comes to me and brings me the sacraments. And I thought, wow, Lord, that's, that's cool. And I said, if, if you ever call me, and please don't, <laughs> but if you ever do, I could see myself doing that. Which um, priest was that? Uh, I believe it was Father Peter McGuine. Uh, was a reservist. I, I have to double check on that. I didn't get to know him well, but he just came in. He would fill in for the summers of uh, uh, at the Air Force Academy. They would bring an extra reservist to help with the basic training program. So how did you uh, make the connections, uh, uh, apply for entry into seminary? Uh, tell me that whole story. Sure. Well, it, it took a long time for that 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 process to really take place. And, and it was a lengthy process of discernment. So when I first kind of said that, that was the freshman year of college. And it was actually another, it took a full eight years after that point before I really recognized. Um, but a, a key thing happened when I was, when I was moved to Cannon Air Force Base in New Mexico, it was just after flight school. And I made a, a couple of conscious decisions to really take my faith a little bit more seriously. Uh, and I, and I usually point to three things. One was, uh, I started to sneak away to the daily mass on base. There was a noon mass on base that was just very, very powerful. I got involved with, uh, with a strong men's group. There were, there were a group of four men that we uh, kind of formed this, this small group and started to spread, uh, and that really was something that was powerful. And I started to attend uh, Eucharistic Adoration, actually a, a parish just off base once a week, and that just started this process that slowly but surely to come to recognize the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. And that one hour a week on Mondays became one of the, one of the hours that I looked forward to more than any other hour of the week. And the peace and the sense of mission and purpose that came with that was just profound. And so it was about a two-year process that I really started to, to, to take it seriously. And then in the spring of 2014, I attended a retreat with the military archdiocese. And that was at Menlo Park, the first time I've ever been to a retreat. And uh, it was there for the first time that I recognized I needed to make this decision. And I needed to, I needed to go to seminary to discern because I had pursued marriage. I had looked into possibilities of, uh, of, of a life uh, as, as a husband and, and a father. And there was something about this, this call to the priesthood that I hadn't yet fully taken the time to let grow and to learn about. And so that was when I started the process was the spring of 2014. And I reached out to the military archdiocese. I had been in some contact with them prior to, I talked to Father Kerry Abbott a couple of years earlier, uh, just, just to kind of get a couple of pieces of information. But then it was uh, Father Aiden Logan and the, and the staff at the AMS that really helped that process go forward. And Father Kerry Abbott was the former vocations director before Father Aiden Logan came in as a uh... Correct. As vocations director. 
so then you applied to uh, the Diocese of Madison. Correct. And that was that was also one of the, the greatest blessings was the, the Bishop of the Diocese of Madison. Uh, he just passed away last year, but Bishop Robert Morlino, I, I spoke with him and just saw what the process would be would be like. And I was working, obviously, th- through the vocation director. And the, the funny part was, at the time, I had started to see a priest for spiritual direction in Clovis, New Mexico, and just meeting about once a month. Uh, and we only met three or four times, but when I finally told him that, uh, that I was going to apply, he asked for which diocese, and, and I told him Madison, Wisconsin. And it turns out that one of his best priest friends was, in fact, the vocation director for the Diocese of Madison. They would actually vacation once a year, every year, and they knew each other from their time in seminary. So that was an easy connection there and just the providence of, of putting the priests um, and the, the people in my life to make that happen. But it was Bishop Morlino who, who really helped because before I could even go to the Air Force to propose this as a solution, I actually had to be accepted by the Diocese of Madison. I had to be accepted to a seminary, and I had to have basically all of the paperwork in place, which can be a lengthy process in and of itself before the Air Force would even consider me as an option to, 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 to do a uh, deferment program is what they refer to it as. Well, that sounds providential. And uh, tell me a little bit about the paperwork that you have to go through. They do a background check. Uh, what, <laughs> what, what's all involved in applying to uh, uh, enroll in a seminary for the Catholic Church? Exactly. The, the, the paperwork is, I mean, it can be lengthy. I, I, ref- I kind of mentioned it that it's similar to a college application with a few more face-to-face interviews. So there is a fairly in-depth uh, psychological screening. Um, sometimes the diocese will, will have different policies where uh, men are often asked to apply instead of just asking themselves for an application process. The, the fact being they want to get to know you. They want to make sure that you, uh, you've been talking to a priest, you've been seeking spiritual direction or involved with the life of, the, of, of a church in your local area. So that connection between my spiritual director and the Diocese of Madison was, was, was so providential. And that actually allowed the process to begin. And knowing that there was actually a bit of a tight timeline. So the Air Force told me, uh, this was from the Air Force recruiting section, and this was the priest. There's a priest recruiter that's located in Texas, and that's his job is to make sure that uh, we have chaplains to come on to active duty ministry. And they said, well, maybe this would be a process that could happen. We're not sure. It's about 8 to 12 months is, is the process, but you kind of have to have your your ducks in a row to even begin the process. So I passed that along to the Diocese of Madison, and, and Bishop Morlino uh, was the one who said, why don't you come home? <laughs> Let's go out to eat. We'll talk, and we'll see what we can do. And he was able to really facilitate that process, and he he was able to say, we we can take care of everything that we need to on the paperwork side so that you can go to the Air Force and say, yes, this is someone that, uh, that, uh, that wants to do this, he's capable, and the timing of it will fall as it falls. So from the very beginning, it was your hope and plan to become a, an Air Force chaplain. Yes, it was actually going back to that moment at the Air Force Academy, thinking of what a profound impact the chaplaincy uh, had on me to see these men who were willing to to both serve God and country. And it was something too that my vocation truly was born out of a military parish. So I, I still credit the, the men uh, and women at Cannon Air Force Base, the priests, the staff, uh, the retirees that would come and help out on base. It was out of that community 
that my vocation was born and I and I look forward to actually go back and offer mass for them one day and really um, that that chapel in particular has a very very fond place in my heart for for the community for the fellowship for the worship for the for the presence of Christ there in the, in that base so it's something that is is deep on my heart and something that I truly do aspire to be a military chaplain well as you know there is a tremendous shortage of chaplains uh, not only in the air force but throughout the military and we're certainly greatly appreciative to you for the decision that you've made on behalf of the faithful who serve. So, uh, spring of 2014, you start this process. When did you enter seminary? So I entered seminary actually in August of 2014 as well. So that was, again, <laughs> nothing's going to stop the Lord's will from being done. It's really incredible. So they, they said eight months to 12 months. And, uh, it was more and, like three months. Yeah, exactly. And I, I told I told my bishop, I said, I, I know the military well, that there's processes in place and they need to be in place and things take time. But I said, you never know. If you have the right people in the right place and, you, and you're able to push a certain way, things will happen. So when I actually submitted my paperwork, the longest place that it took was about two weeks for my initial commander. So the commander of the flying squadron, he was the one, he could have said no right from the start and said, sorry, but I think you should wait. And he, he took his time to ask. He wanted to make sure that this was well thought out on my end. And, and I was doing, doing well in my squadron, and I really did love the squadron. It was an incredible, incredible mission, incredible group of guys that were there. So, but once, once he did approve that, uh, it was actually right off the base in, in a, few, a few hours. It was actually signed then by the wing commander literally within two hours, which is unheard of, and then off to uh, they call it Air Force Personnel Center. That paperwork had to go all the way to the uh, the um, secretary of the Air Force and back, but it was it was two months that it took that I was finally approved. So I actually found out on a Monday Monday night. I got a call from the uh, personnel center that said effective immediately your your separation has been approved. I had two days to out process from the base, and then I drove directly from New Mexico on Thursday morning to get to Maryland on Sunday to start my first two years of seminary. And uh, where did you spend your first two years? Those are at Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Emmitsburg, Maryland. And uh, before we get into your time in Rome, I'm sure that your experience in the, in the Air Force Academy uh, spoke well of you, along with the fact that you uh, came from a good, solid Catholic family, uh, which might explain how you were fast-tracked. Uh, someone with that background is obviously a highly qualified person. Mm -hmm. I, I appreciate that 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 compliment, and that was actually Bishop Morlino was was also very supportive of that as well. And he he said that in his opinion, the military, especially when you look at the academies, those are the best places for young adult formation anywhere in the world. He said he would take those programs for basic human formation, for for growth in virtue and discipline. Some of these foundational things to, that are that are paramount to our own faith life. He said he would take those over the best <laughs> young adult programs that are out there. So he was very much uh, a supporter of the military. And I'll never forget the words he said too, because he realized that by accepting me, he probably wouldn't get me in the diocese of Madison to serve as a priest for very long. He knew that uh, I would I would get my initial couple years, but then. You never know what the Lord has in store, but it's it's quite possible that I that I spend a good amount of time in the military, knowing that my vocation was born out of a military parish. But but he said 
if there's anywhere that I can help the church anywhere in the world, I'm willing to do it and and to be able to put a foot forward and help the military diocese. Okay, so you're at Mount St. Mary's in um, Emmitsburg, Maryland. Uh, you do your first two years. Your seminary program is five years, right? Six years. Six years, okay. How did it come about you were sent over to Rome to the uh, Pontifical North American College? That was, again, the, the choice of the, of the bishop, and uh, it was just after the, a year and a half he, he uh, approached me and, 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 and offered to, to send me over there. Now, he, he, he actually sends we have quite a few seminarians from the Diocese of Madison, so when I arrived, there were eight of us total that were studying in Rome. So there was a great community there as well, and it was one of those, it's a unique spot because you really get a chance to see the universal church in a perspective that you that you wouldn't otherwise see. So we, we have our seminary where there's around 220 American seminarians. We we kind of eat, sleep, and pray in one kind of campus area. It's almost like a mini base uh, in a certain sense, and that's about a 10-minute walk from St. Peter's in the Vatican. But then we take classes at a Roman university. So that's where it's really fascinating. The classes are in Italian, and there's around 50 or so students that come from all over the world. So I have classmates from literally all continents uh, and everybody coming together with different experiences. And there's something unique that you see there uh, that shocked me was that you came to recognize that Jesus Christ is the same everywhere and that you've met someone from, uh, from the middle of Asia, from the middle of Africa, and they have met that same person that you met and that same divine person had an impact on their life and was calling them towards something. And you had these shared experiences, even if the languages were, were difficult and trying to really come together as one group, those shared experiences and that shared uh, presence of Christ was, is universal. Do you speak Italian? A little bit now. <laughs> we're getting better. I'm not, as, not where I would like to be, but slowly but surely. Well, how were you able to comprehend and take notes in the classes that right. were in Italian. Right. That's that's a common question. I tell people that I take classes in Italian, but I study in English. It's one of those where you receive the information and the, the, the format of study is very much a lecture-based uh, format of study where you receive a lot of information. You're not writing papers as often as you would be in the, in the United States with the sort of academic system. The exams are mostly oral exams some of which you're able to take in English. So there's a little bit of uh, a little bit of help there, and you rely on the help of your, your other brother seminarians. A few folks pick up Italian a little bit better than others, and you're able to share resources and collect notes, and it works together. Had you studied foreign language in high school or at the Air Force Academy? I did. I studied Spanish. I was actually a Spanish minor in, uh, at the Air Force Academy. I had a little bit of experience traveling with that. So Spanish and Italian are both Romance languages. They have some common denominators. But I can see how it would get confusing because, uh, you know, a little of both languages. I speak a little Spanish and a little Japanese, and when I start speaking one or the other, I find myself slipping back into the other. <laughs> right, exactly. So, um, well, uh, so uh, what is your social life like in Rome, you get to go out to the pizzerias and uh, other restaurants. Uh, what's what? What is a... Oh, just tell me what it's like to live in Rome. We do. They they do a good job of of getting uh getting us the opportunity to be exposed to the culture both of Italy and then even a few of the other spots around around Europe. They really encourage us 
to see some of the sites, I mean, this was uh, Western Europe is where the church, the, the first 2,000 years of the church really started to grow, and you see the, the expanse of the church and how it was, how it was so much a part of the culture. So that's, that's one thing, that's for sure. And it's, it's a nice place to, uh, I always tell folks, you're always welcome to come and visit. Uh, so a good number of folks take us up on that, so we get the opportunity to take them out to dinner and uh, introduce them to the various pastas. And I, I was shocked. I never thought, I thought if you eat pasta every day, you'd get sick of it at some point, but that hasn't happened yet. Is that because of the way they cook the pasta there as opposed to the way we cook it here in America? It seems that they, they definitely do cook it a little bit different, and the, the seminary does a good job. There's uh, We have uh, local chefs that help prepare meals for us, so... Uh, we're, we're spoiled in many ways, and it's it's that part is a good is a nice a nice perk of the uh, of the experience. So, uh, have you actually been able to meet the Pope? I have not. I have not. A number of my classmates have had the opportunities to serve for him, uh, but we're we're so close. We're there's always the the Sunday Angelus address is a is a five to ten minute walk away. The Wednesday audiences we're usually in class, so that's a little bit harder to get to. Um, there's been other opportunities. He, uh, the Holy Father, actually held an audience just for seminarians uh, two years ago to to address questions and issues, um, and that was a great experience. But uh, I haven't met him personally yet. So uh, walk us through a day in the life of a seminarian in Rome. What time do you get up? Uh, what time do you go to bed? What do you do in the in the interim? Absolutely. So uh, the day always starts at six fifteen in the morning for with morning prayer, and that's followed by mass. So usually I'll be up at 5, 5.15 just to, to get up, get ready, begin the, kind of the day of prayer. Uh, I was in the uh, unique opportunity. I was able to then uh, spend a good amount of time after Mass in kind of quiet meditative prayer and then uh, then eat a quick breakfast. And then the classes, most of them usually ran from 8.30 or 8.45 until 12.30 or 12.45. You would have 45 minutes of class and a 15-minute break, and you would have four of those classes so most of your classes are actually kind of packed in the morning. So you have three or four classes every morning. For for me, uh, it was four classes every morning, just about without fail. All right, let me back up for a minute. What's a typical breakfast? <laughs> That's a good question. Well, for the Italians, they like they have a quick espresso and a uh, just one. Uh, one at that moment, they'll have a few throughout the day, and then a, a cornetto or a croissant is what what they what they would eat. For us, we have a little bit of a uh, of a variance in the the seminary offers kind of basic American things: scrambled eggs, cereal. Depends on the day, really. Okay, so the classes you attend, and I know they change every semester, uh, but uh, tell us some of the classes that you've been taking since you've been over at the Pontifical North American College. Sure. The the classes the and this is the the academic classes. There's kind of a wide variance. The the program is called a Bachelor in Sacred Theology. So you're going to take a varying number of classes, uh, both that cover essentially all the books of the Bible split up into different sections. So you'll have a, a, a class on the historical books, the Pentateuch. You'll have a class on the wisdom literature. You'll have a class on the prophets. You'll have a class on the, the synoptic gospels. You'll have a class on the writings of Paul. So you'll have, some, you'll have classes that cover all the books of the Bible, but then you have a pretty extensive number of classes in other topics, such as moral theology, uh, the study of the virtues and how how we live this faith life. Uh, church history is also very important, given especially the location being in Europe and knowing all of the history that has taken place in the city of Rome in particular. 
canon law is always very important as well. It's kind of the, the rules of the church, the law that the church has developed over the ages. Those are just a few of the uh, classes. And there's, there's a few others as well. The Christian archaeology is another great one, given the location as well. All these classes are in Italian? Yes. Uh, did you uh, have to get a philosophy degree? Yes, the philosophy and that, that, that took place at Mount St. Mary's Seminary in, uh, in Emmitsburg. So how many degrees do you have right now? <laughs> <laughs> not, not that many. I had just actually just really it's two bachelor's degrees. So it was the bachelor degree from the Air Force Academy. I had started to begin master's programs while I was on active duty with the Air Force. And uh, the philosophy doesn't get you a degree but I just finished my bachelor's in sacred theology, as it's called. So I'd actually kind of joked with people that I was studying for about as long as someone can study uh, without uh, getting in trouble or without taking a step back or failing a class and not get a secondary degree. So I've spent a good amount of time in education, but not, uh, not much to show for it on the uh, degree side. <laughs> well, uh, tell me where you stand now. You... Uh are scheduled to be ordained a transitional deacon in October, correct? Correct. And after that, you have one more year before your priestly ordination. Correct. That's scheduled for uh, next summer. And will that take place in Rome or Madison? The diaconate ordination will take place in Rome, in St. Peter's, and that's another great blessing to be able to be ordained so close to to the relics of, of St. Peter and the history that, that's taken place in the Vatican. And then the priest or- ordination will be in Madison, Wisconsin. Wow. Well, you've already had a remarkable career. How old are you? I'm 31. 31, and uh, already a, a, um, a graduate of uh, the uh, Air Force Academy and uh, two years at uh, uh, Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, and now in your, what, fourth, third, fourth year? Entering at, the fourth year. At uh, the Pontifical North American College. Um, in the last couple of minutes we have here, what are your aspirations as an Air Force chaplain, how will you be able to make a difference? Sure. Uh, my, my aspirations are nothing more than to bring the presence of Christ and especially the Eucharist, the sacraments, to the folks that are serving on active duty um, and in the reserves for my time in the reserves. And it, it's one of those where it's just a, as simple as uh, seeing the incredible need and what, what, what the folks in the military go through um, to have presence of a chaplain there i saw how indispensable it was for my own life and the impact from that a spiritual leader can have uh, is something that i i don't ever want to be i don't want ever anyone to ever have to serve in the military without having someone there and it was actually even seeing the great need for priests that even helped my own discernment to realize that i I could do this And, and since then i've actually known a number of men who have who have had prior time serving in the military that have found a way to to the seminary to become chaplains. So the need is there. There's great fruit to be to be uh, to be reaped in the military, and uh, it's just fertile ground for evangelization as well. Do you have brothers or sisters? I do. I have uh, two older brothers and an older sister. And what do they think about your vocation? <laughs> they they they've been incredibly supportive, and that's that's a great blessing. the The family reactions uh, are varied. A lot of times that's a huge uh, stress factor for, for, for men in the seminary is families that aren't always supportive or, or unsure, but I am grateful for them for their love and support. And they'll all be there on October 3rd in Rome for your diaconal ordination. They will be there in Madison next year. It's a little bit harder to get out there. Many of them have, uh, have young ones at home. So. I hear you. All right. Well, Tim Mergen, uh, one of our co-sponsored seminarians, uh, a, a, 
a, a person who has had experience on active duty in the Air Force as a captain and a pilot. And uh, when you made the decision to uh, pursue the priesthood, you accepted a, a lowering of your rank uh, until you come back out at least. Uh, thank you so much for talking to me today, and thank you for answering God's call. Uh, the church and the and the U.S. military need you, and we appreciate your sacrifice. Thank you. You're most welcome.